Ladies and gentlemen, we are here at Real Deal Talk, the, the Real Deal Talk podcast headquarters, a.k.a. Real Deal Sleep also. little plug for our mattress company. So I'm here today with a uh, um, very exciting woman. She's got a heck of a story to tell, and I can't wait to dig it out of her. Her name is Stephanie Bailey O'Connor. And I'm, and I'm saying that with a question mark, folks, because <laughs> I actually don't know... If I'm, it, it, am I correct with this name here? It, it, well, I mean, that is my name on Facebook, I guess. That's but, right. <laughs> um, but actually, so Bailey is kind of my maiden name, but my actual name, my actual maiden name is Gabor. Like, Gabor? Like Zsa Zsa Gabor. Are you serious? Yeah, she's supposedly like a fifth cousin or no something. No way. No, no, I'm not kidding. Um, I've never so, heard that name I know. Is that weird? Yeah. So I'm I'm a little bit Hungarian on what? my dad's side. I'm hung. I'm half Hungarian. Really? Yes. I'm, I'm mostly Italian, but um, but yeah. So my mom left my dad when I was four. Yep. And um, that is a whole another crazy story. Had really and went with Shah Gabor. Wild no, up no. <laughs> upbringing. <laughs> um, but long story short. You know, my my dad was involved in drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Um, they had a very tumultuous relationship. I mean, I obviously know more now as an adult looking back yeah. and seeing everything that was happening. But um, but anyway, my dad actually came to. So I was born in Chicago, but my dad actually came to California to kidnap my brother and I. Um, well, my mom was at work. I was the typical, you know, latchkey kid. Yeah. Just go to school, come home. The neighbors sort of watched us. I yeah. was playing outside with my brother. My dad came to kidnap us, brought us back to Chicago. Um, and you, were, you were here? <laughs> yeah, we were living yeah. here in San Diego. Um, and then my mom went back, pretended like she was going to stay with him. Then she... We left again, fled. And then kidnapped you back and, again. Yeah, kid, kidnapped, kidnapped us back, came back to California. Then we proceeded to move like nine or ten times so my dad couldn't find us. Oh, really? So I actually didn't meet my biological father until I was 19. He couldn't find me because my mom changed my name when she started dating this guy who ended up becoming my stepdad. Um, I know it's a wild story. <laughs> we're all we're doing. All this was was an introduction. We're yeah. We're already we're deep already into the, in it. We're already deep into the backstory. She <laughs> she's doing my job for me here. I didn't even have to ask. Hey, where are you born and raised? Yeah. All I asked was a name, and now we've been kidnapped four times, <laughs> moved ten times. This yeah. is unreal already. Hold up, just hold on a second here. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> um, anyway. Oh, my God. The long story short is that when my mom married my stepdad, she just enrolled us in school under a different name. Yeah. With his last name. When I graduated from high school, there was no record of me. Yeah. Stephanie Gabor of graduating from high school, but I was joining the military like you yeah, already know right right and so i actually had to get a legal name change to be able to join the military so there was a record of me having a high school diploma <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, hold on here. <laughs> just wait a minute here. Sorry, that was so a where, lot. So, just... where, so where did Gabor come from? Is that Gabor your actual dad's name? Yeah, Gabor, my dad's name. And is... that's Hungarian? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as far as I know. And this is your real dad? My real dad. biological dad. Yeah, my dad. biological dad was Gabor. So I've never actually, since I was four, I've never used that name. And so you, he was around when you were four? He was around. Yeah, he actually, I mean, he stayed in the same place for the most part. And, you know, my my dad is passed away yeah. now. But um, from, you know, reuniting with him, I did find out that he had been looking for us the whole time. Okay, hold on, hold on. Don't, don't start skipping ahead in the story okay. here. <laughs> I can see this interview is going to be fantastic because she loves giving the details. This is beautiful. First and foremost, let me shout out, you're wearing the sweatshirt uh, with that says Hardcore Fitness on it. I want to shout out my guy, Tommy, real quick, because that's how you and I met. Yes. My wife and I, Rachel and I, met you at Hardcore Fitness probably, what, five, six, seven years ago? Yeah. Ish? Yeah. Well, it was when we had Morena. It, oh, that far it back. It was that far. I remember you because I had these crazy fancy pants. Yeah one time and you were like those are pretty cool yeah and i had never been in you know like the workout right thing and so you know once i started yeah. losing weight and stuff i was like well, I'm, I'm gonna go lululemon i'm gonna yeah. get me some fancy clothes <laughs> so it's the best isn't it the best part of like working out especially uh, yeah. for the for the ladies that you get to wear these pants that are just like yeah. and, and it's acceptable and then yeah. you can wear them in public yeah it was i love great. that yeah it was great so that was a that was my fr I mean that's you, what you remember is me. That's talking what about the I pants. remember of you is like oh those are cool pants and of yeah. course Rachel just sweetheart yeah. all the time she is so, she's the most yeah. positive thing in the she world is. just Love always her. motivated always fired up always yep. positive yeah so we're talking eight nine years then no it wasn't I don't think it was that no? long ago it was probably like uh, six or okay six, six or seven I knew, or seven. I, I knew yeah. ish somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. And hardcore fitness, I've said it before that uh, for my wife and I, and I know, and I'll speak for myself because I've been bodybuilding for almost thirty, more more than thirty years. And hardcore was the the gym that took my physique over the top and taught me how yeah. to actually diet, yeah. like to actually look at uh, to meal prep and uh, measure out food, uh, how to track macros. Yeah. Macros are the protein, the carbs, and the uh, fats. Mm -hmm. So I want to shout out hardcore fitness real quick since you're wearing the sweatshirt and since you now run one of his locations. Yes. Uh, El Cajon. Uh, Stephanie is the general manager, right, of mm -hmm. that location. She's phenomenal. I've talked to Tommy before about her. Of course, he didn't know. And she, he said that she's just fantastic over there. So I want to shout him out real quick before we start really digging into this story. This is, this is already phenomenal. Um, all right, so hold on a second here. All right, so we got to go back, even though you jumped ahead on me. Let's go back to you were, in, you were born in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's start there. <laughs> Let's start there, okay. and then we're going to work our way back up to where Dad kidnapped you and all that stuff. Uh, so you were born and raised in Chicago. Tell me about that situation for the first. Okay, so my mom and dad actually grew up in a Catholic orphanage. Oh, in Chicago. In uh, an orphanage. In an orphanage, Catholic orphanage in Chicago. What does that mean? How do they? They were. They were, both of them and their siblings were, their parents were not able to take care of them. Wow. So they ended up in an orphanage in Chicago, heart of the city. Yeah. Um, in the 
60s. Yeah. You know, yeah. 50s, 60s. And how old are you now? I'm 52. 52. Guys, look at this. I'll be 53. I forgot. That's right. You and I are the exact same age. Yeah. No, wait. Am I? What am I? Oh, I'm 51. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 51. You got me. All right. So anyway. I'm old. It's okay. You look I'm fantastic. owning it. I wanted to put, give everybody a little bit of a context. If you look extreme, you look like a little 27-year-old. Oh, thank little, you. So I want to make sure everybody knows that you, you're a salty, uh, you, you've got to been around the block. I've been around the block. Yeah, a few times. Yeah. Which is why you're here. Yes. Um, okay, so go ahead. Sorry. So, yeah, my parents grew up in a Catholic orphanage. So, I mean, that, so what, what, that wait in and of wait. itself is yeah, yeah, kind of crazy. It, it's kind of? <laughs> they both were? So does that mean they, they met. met? They met in the orphanage. They were high school sweethearts. They, you know, graduated from high school. From what age were they in the orphanage? Um, my mom is the oldest of 13. 13? Ital- Italian, yeah. 13 siblings? Yes. Yeah, my mom's the oldest of 13. My dad was the, was he also the oldest? I think he was the oldest of his five siblings. Um, so yeah, they, uh, on my dad's side, apparently his mother abandoned them. Yeah. Um, and so his dad couldn't take care of five kids by himself. Um, so that's how my dad ended up in there. My grandmother apparently, so my, my, my mom is first generation here. Yeah. So my grandparents. I were not here legally. Ah. And so my, I, I don't know what stories are true. Yeah. You know, I have a lot of documentation from different <laughs> things from the orphanage. Yeah. Um, but my dad, my grandfather, Luigi, had been deported multiple times. Right. Back to Italy. May or may not have been from mafia stuff. May or may not. Wow. I don't really know. Um, yeah. He had a lot of money for like when I, when I was able to meet him later, like he owned a, a flat, a three story flat in the heart of Chicago. And he always had a lot of cash on him. Mm. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what, what held together with a produce rubber band. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But he was, he was in construction. So, (laughs) oh, here we go. Construction. (laughs) I don't, I don't really know. What do you um, know? Anyway, um, but my <laughs> grandmother apparently. So the they're not all from the same. They're not all from the same uh, guy. Yeah. Her thirteen yeah. kids. So yeah. the first five or six were from my grandpa Luigi. Yeah. Um, which was my mom's father, and then the other seven or eight or whatever <laughs> were from this guy whose last name was Delgado. So Delgado. I, I never met him. Yeah. Okay. So, yep. And I never actually met my biological grandmother. So yeah. apparently she had a nervous breakdown. I mean, who wouldn't with 13 kids? Yeah. Um, and she couldn't care for her kids and they ended up in the orphanage. The, so my mom and, Mo- All of them? Most of the siblings, the younger, so there was a set of twins, um, Ronnie and Bobby, and then Martha was really like a baby. 
the younger three or four got adopted out because yeah. they were young. Right. Um, but the rest of the kids ended up in the orphanage. You're, you're saying, you're telling me all 13 ended up in the orphanage? Yeah. Am they, I hearing this correctly? Well, no, like the younger four okay. got adopted out. So nine left all went to the orphanage. Yeah. The other four got adopted out. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, this is unbelievable. Yeah. So, um, and then, like I said, my grandfather was deported multiple times. Um, so, I mean, he couldn't care yeah. for right. his kids. And I don't know what happened to the other guy. I never heard that side of the story with, yeah. with my grandmother's other relationship so i i don't know where he went or what happened to him um so yeah then my parents stayed together you know wait 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 a minute wait (laughs) this means stayed together in the orphanage yeah they were in the orphanage i mean they met in the orphanage as kids as kids yeah they were kids in the orphanage and you know grew up basically together and out of high school they got married this, I, I can't get over this. I, I, have you guys ever heard of anything like this? I've never. <laughs> they met in an orphanage as kids and got married. So how does an orphanage work? So did they go to high school in an orphanage? Yeah, it was a fully running. They lived and, you know, went. It was Catholic. So yeah. they had to go to mass. And of course. they were raised by nuns in an orphanage and went to school. And Yeah. I can't believe this. The whole nine yards. The whole nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's... All right. So they got out of high school. At what age did they get married? Like 18? 18. Yeah. Right out of high school. So my brother and I, uh, I have an older brother that's 11 months and 29 days older than me. My birthday is October 21st. Yeah. His is October 22nd. Wow. Um, they got it done quick. They, yes. Quick. Like real quick, like so two months, about a bang. My right, my mom, uh, my mom and dad graduated eighteen. My mom had my brother at nineteen. She had me at twenty. Wow. Yeah. And how many siblings do you have? Um, I have one full brother. Yeah. And then one half sister, and then from my stepdad, I have another two siblings. Yeah. And then my stepdad and my stepmom, my stepdad and my mom got divorced, but I only I considered him my only dad because right. I yeah. never really knew my Your original dad, my real dad, your biological, right? And um, I mean, until I was much older, and so then my stepdad had two kids from a previous marriage, but then I did get reunited with my biological dad. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on here. I, you wanted stories. I, I got stories. I do, and I love digging, <laughs> and I need details, but you're jumping ahead too quick. Hold up here. All right, so the, so they got married out of the orphanage. Or, sorry, high school, 18, right. mar- 19, 20. So then give me the 20 to where you were four years. Um, so then because they divorced when you were four. Well, what? no, they didn't technically divorce. Okay, give me my, this story. So my earliest childhood memories. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. My earliest t- childhood memories are really chaotic. Okay. So my parents, you know, that I was born in 69. So, right. You know, it was, it was a whole era. Oh, Viet- yeah. Vietnam, everything going on. 
Um, so the earliest memories I have of are my parents throwing parties. Okay. So a lot of drinking, yep. smoke in the air. Like I'm a toddler walking around. Um, all I can remember is of that time being in Chicago is either getting burned by cigarettes because people not paying attention with toddlers walking yeah. around. Yeah. Um, and going around drinking like cups of probably alcohol. Of course. Honestly. Yeah. Um, that's all I remember of that time. Yeah. That, that's the significant memory or it is of my parents fighting like to the point where my brother and I hiding in a closet yeah. under a bed, that kind of thing, literally hearing things, you know, crash against the wall, screaming, cursing, yep. that kind of yeah. thing. So <clears throat> any, any physical violence, like any actual, with, I'm hitting? sure, I'm sure with my, but you mom, never actually saw it. I, I didn't see it cause I would hide, right. Okay. You know, yep. very scared. Yeah. Of course, yeah. as a little kid hearing that kind of stuff. I have some memories of, you know, being at Lake Michigan, you know, some happy memories too, you know, being at Lake Michigan, going to the beach, um, making snow angels, uh, that, you know, I don't know how happy that is. Uh, the cold in Chicago, I can remember waiting, yeah. you know, at a bus stop, uh, just freezing, so cold yeah. and windy. Um, so yeah, that, that's my earliest childhood memories of Chicago. My mom, uh, I mean, I didn't understand, obviously, at four years old what was going on. But my mom left Chicago with another guy. All right, so hold on, hold on, hold on. This is now you're getting the four. I'm four now. And then all you remember is she left. Yeah. She left. She left. Without you. No, she left with my brother and I okay. and another guy. Okay. And Did she and say, hey, we're us, out of here? You don't remember that. You're four. No. Yeah. Took us from... Chicago to California. Okay. So we lived with this other guy and, you know, my mom and my brother um, for a couple years, I guess. I don't, it's not super clear. Right. Um, but yeah, so that was that. She, so when I look back on my childhood and what my mom had done. I didn't, I didn't have a great relationship with my mom growing up. Yep. Um, she was very focused on relationships, other guys. Got it. There were a, a lot of other guys. Uh -huh. So okay. I had multiple men in my life. Yeah. And um, so we were just there. I mean, she took us. So that's good. Yep. But yeah, that's uh, so that's good. So that's good. That's a positive. Um, <laughs> she took us, but she wasn't really available emotionally or physically. Right. Available. You're just there for us, right? Um. So, yeah, that until she left that guy for another guy. You know, like yeah. I said, it was just multiple guys, and and I think the only reason why she ended up settling down with my stepfather is because she got pregnant with my sister. Ah, okay. So, and that was up, you know, from four to nine were multiple men. Got it. Okay. Um, usually very similar to my dad, alcohol, drugs, 
Um, another very Fight, fighting, very early childhood memory is me, you know, at seven, eight years old, like in front of my mom trying to block her, like, leave her alone, yeah. yelling at some drunk idiot yeah. guy, you yeah. know, kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, fun, fun times. Fun, <laughs> fun times for and, me and as listen, a young kid. And, <laughs> And listen, we're we're making kind of light of this and laughing, and but <clears throat> I like to dig into these stories, Stephanie. And I knew you had a story on you, but I, frankly, I didn't know it was this um, uh, exciting. <laughs> and I and I'm using these words, and we're laughing, making light of it. But I want people that that are looking that because you've got a lot of people in the world that'll use their childhood as an excuse. Hundred percent. So many will use it as a crutch and excuse. And oh my gosh! So for you people that think you had a rough childhood or a little bit, oh, are they, my parents divorced. Listen to this one, okay? So keep mm-hmm. tuning into this story right here because look at how positive she is. You're going to hear the story on the back end of this that's going to blow your mind of what she's doing with her current children, her marriage, all this stuff, and that's what's going to really hit home. Be like, wow, okay, she's not using this as an excuse. She used it as motivation to go the other way right so anyway i wanted yeah. i wanted to insert right there because we're laughing about it <clears throat> which i which i appreciate the fact that you're making light of it because it, it doesn't we don't have to use the past as to like as to define us and scar us right right exactly <clears throat> and it you know it's funny i actually just thinking about all this because yeah. i mean it's just my life i don't right. really think that much about it yeah. but it's funny to see now and, and, you know, talk about it thinking like, oh, yeah, I was six or seven, maybe eight, you know, trying to yeah. stand up like I was some six foot five guy, yeah. you know, leave my mom alone. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. We all have some kind of character that I didn't run away from that kind of stuff. Right. I was like, no, you're going to have to get through me to yeah. get to my mom who, you know, obviously I love, but. Also, you know, didn't really have right. a great relationship with. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's kind it, of funny to think about now, but I guess, I guess I've always been spirited and very strong-willed. Yeah. And uh, have you shared this story in detail at any time to anybody else in your life? Yeah, actually, <clears throat> I have. I mean, over time, I think it, it took me a long time to be able to share the yeah. story without, you know, great emotion. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you Got know, um, but yeah, cause I've, I mean, I don't know if you knew what I did before hardcore, but I was involved in a ministry. I worked at a nonprofit. I, I used did. to help young women in crisis. I wow. ran a group for young women in crisis. So yeah, cause my background is in psych, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so I was a psych tech in the military. I worked at a psych hospital for six years. Wow. Which is, I know I'm jumping, jump I'm jumping ahead, ahead again. <laughs> but that's where I met my husband, which is kind of funny All right, hold say. on, hold on. All right, shh. <laughs> Sorry. I get way ahead of myself. Yeah, You're exactly. just going to have to stop That's me. my job to reel you in, get you back on track, go back in the timeline. I don't want to ruin any surprises here. Right, you know, okay. You, this, is a, this story is, an, I absolutely, this is incredible. I'm loving this. And I knew I was going to, but I had no idea it was going to be this juicy. All right. So go, hold on a second here. Go back. So go, we're, we're back now to you defending your mom. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. which is age eight, seven, eight ish. And then, uh, do you remember? Was there another guy? What, what happened after there? Uh, yeah, there's always been guys. Always, okay. There's always been guys. Um, Give me any other childhood memories, like in in school. Were you bullied? Did you have any problems? Would you did you like school? Were you good at it? Not until after my mom got together with my stepdad. Okay. So another weird union, of course, but um, union. <laughs> but she she got pregnant with my sister. So Woody, my stepdad, was really the only stable kind of person that my mom had ever been with wow. over those years. Yeah. And um, Woody, he was a great guy in a weird sort of way. Um, so he was in the military uh, reserves mm. at this point, but had been active military before then. He was what we call a dry drunk. So he stopped drinking. He was an alcoholic yep. that stopped drinking, um, but never worked a program. So, oh, wow. Okay. So I don't know if you're familiar with 12-step programs or I am. anything. I'm, but, I'm, I Vaguely. Okay. So typically when you're an addict alcoholic, yeah. you don't just get rid of your behaviors, right. your mindset, that yep. kind of thing. Um, the drug or you know, substance is what leads you to having dysfunction in your life a lot of times. Um, Not all the time, because you can still have dysfunction without the actual addiction. Right. Uh, I'm I'm deeply involved in 12-step programs now. You are? Yeah. Um, I actually am. I do a meeting every Friday night. Uh, That's that's another story. um, And we're going to get to that story. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we call that a dry drunk. So he basically had the behaviors of an alcoholic without the substance mm. anymore. He had gotten, you know, so he was such a terrible alcoholic. And I'm grateful that I didn't know him during that time. Um, I knew him after he had already yeah. stopped drinking, but had drank so heavily that he actually was, you know, on the brink of uh, liver failure. Yeah. And so he changed his life around and became a vegetarian and started running and exercising and, you know, like taking care of himself, just found another addiction. Right. Which was good, you know, healthy addiction. Um, But he still kind of had the alcoholic behavior type things. So the I was grateful for the stability that he brought to my family in terms of now I had a mom and a dad and I didn't have to be the odd one in school that had, you know, no dad. Yeah. Um, and for the first time ever, I lived in a house, not in an apartment. Right. Um, and... You know, I had a new sibling. My little sister was born. And, you know, as a nine, 10 year old kid, that's exciting because, you know, now I have baby to play with. Um, my mom was home for a tiny bit. Side note, my mom was his secretary. Oh, really? <laughs> that's how they ended up getting together. Ah. Um, 
And but the other thing that my dad brought, my stepdad brought, was a discipline that we never had. Mm. And so you know, my brother and I were just wild kids. Grew up in PV. Nobody was ever home. We, All right. So at this point, where are you? You're in PB. We we before my mom got married to my dad, we lived in PB. Your stepdad. My yeah. Before my mom got married to my okay. stepdad, we lived in PB. So what I, year was this? This was in the seventies. Seventies. No yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. back when they had the Roxy Theater, the, yeah. the miniature golf. Down there where the, I think the uh, discount tire is. Yeah. I go way back to PB. That was my stomping grounds. My mom would leave us money on the table when we'd come home from school. This is like third, fourth grade. We'd come home from school. Nobody would be there. She'd leave money on the table. We'd walk to Burger King. And it was, you know, a block yeah, away from yeah, the beach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We'd, I lived at Dawes and Reed in a duplex. No way. Yeah, in PV. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So. My fr- the first place I ever lived at in Pacific Beach was Dawes and Grand. So we were like two blocks away. Yeah, yep. First place ever, right out of the military. That's so funny. 93. Yep. Wow. Yeah, so... Um, so yeah, we'd we'd walk to Burger King, get food, come home. Some of the neighbors would kind of keep an eye on us. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was it. So when when she was with my stepdad, then we actually ended up in a house in Claremont. So that was the you know first memories of ever having a house. Yeah. A real a real house with a front yard, backyard, no. You know, people right. on the side of us, exactly. just other houses. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Huge. he was very militant, no emotion. Um, Did you say he was in the reserves? He wasn't. He was still which which, which one? Was Army. It? Army. Okay. Army reserves. Okay. Um, so when he, you know, got together with my mom, he was like, "Things are going to change here. These kids." Yeah. You know, they've never had any discipline. They do whatever they want. They're going to start doing chores. They're going to listen. They're going to come home after school. They're going to take care of the baby. You're going to work. You're, I'm going to work. This is like they need to get it together. Yeah. Um, and if we didn't, there were consequences. Oh, yeah. So. What kind of consequences? My stepfather never actually laid a hand on us. My mom, however... He would give her his leather belt. Yep. And we were beat. Oh, yeah. Quite extensively. Wow. And we could never say a word about it because if we said anything, it was my mom basically saying, you don't know what a beating is. I grew up in a Catholic orphanage. You're not getting hit with the leg of a table. You're getting hit with a little leather belt. Wow. So, so she's saying that in the orphanage she was hit with like a, a table leg. There were incidences, I'm sure, that were not fun for her. Yeah. And I understand that yeah. now as an adult. Um but yeah, I was I was very physically abused as a child. Yeah. From ten years old literally until I left at So this started at about ten. Mm-hmm. This is what the stepdad said. This is what's mm-hmm. gonna go down. 
I was beat. So your mom basically just followed his orders mm-hmm. and yep. beat her own kids? Yes. In essence? Yes. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Wow. Four years that went on. Now she just hit you in the rear end or? Yeah. Usually on our on the back of my legs. Yeah. I would have welts on my legs so bad I couldn't wear shorts. So this was a regular occurrence. What were you doing to get a beating? Like what was so, it what just were you doing was, that was so anything bad? that was not done to the specifications that they needed to be done. So at 11 Give years, me an example. Like what, at 11 years old, I was expected to come home from school. My, my, my half sister was in a daycare down the street, a yep. home daycare. Yeah. I had to pick up my little sister come home, make dinner for the family at 11, 12 years old. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Make sure, you know, the bathrooms were cleaned. Everything was picked up. My brother was older by one year, but he wasn't expected to do as much because he was a boy. Mm. So if something wasn't done, he still had chores, but if something wasn't done, it was usually my fault. That it wasn't done. Did they ever be? Did she ever give him a beating? Yeah, he did end up getting beatings too, but not. I don't think as nearly as much as I did. Yeah, I was the responsible one. Right. I was the adult, basically, in the family at eleven and twelve. Yeah, eleven, twelve, thirteen, really all the way up until I left for high school. So, um, so or fourteen, left, fifteen, left or left out high of, school. Yeah. Till I left high school. I graduated. Yeah. I graduated at 17. I had to wait until I turned 18 to get to leave to go to boot camp because I joined the military actually when I was a senior in high school. Um, But I couldn't leave. I left like six days after my 18th birthday. And so was the same stepdad in your life? Yes. All that time? The whole time. Yeah. And you like from that entire time period, you're saying that you got beatings. I did. It went from the the belt on the legs to um, there was a time that actually the school got involved when I was in ele- they, saw, they saw the welts when I was in elementary school yeah um, someone did come out to the house to talk to my parents about these beatings or yeah. whatever um, were they just asking or did they assume? they were just asking you never said anything I I I, I remember as in elementary school saying something about like, you know, well, that's because I got in trouble Yeah, with the welts in my legs. I got yeah. in trouble. So someone did come out to talk to my parents. That resulted in me getting beat More again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now they just did it differently where it was like now I had to actually pull my pants down and get hit on my bottom. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't visible. Right. As soon as I kind of grew out of being hit with a belt on my bottom, then it just turned into slaps and punches, that kind of thing. What, what punches where? Face, body. From your mom? From my mom, yeah. Never him? Yeah, never never from him. Wow, this is crazy. Yeah. yeah. And how then, did you feel? Were you scared all the time? Were you in fear all the time? Like, what? how did you feel? Um, I mean, I don't remember. Did, 
Did you get to the point where you actually thought it was your fault? Like you were a bad kid? Like, oh, I deserve this? Was that a, was that a I, mentality at all? Yeah, of course. I mean, obviously I was depressed. I was, um, I, it, the weird thing is, is it turned me into a perfectionist. Ah. So that I wouldn't get in trouble. I was the, you know, straight A student. I was... I, I did get into sports, so yep. I ran track and cross country. And even as early as junior high, I was on the San Diego Track Club. Wow. Um, so it, it just turned me into a perfectionist. I was going to do everything the best, so I never got so in trouble. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's what it did to me, which is just as bad as anything else, yeah. you know, because right. nobody is perfect. And I mean, fortunately, I know that now, Yeah. but I didn't know that. So I had a, a lot of years of trying to live up to being perfect. And, um, and yeah, it just, it just really wreaked havoc in my life. Wow. But I, I looked for attention too. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, looking for love. So I, you know, started getting into boys at a very early age, yeah. um, you know, 13 years old, always wanting a boyfriend, needing a boyfriend, yeah. looking looking for someone to just love me and take care of me type thing. Um, I never got in trouble at school, but I did get in trouble with my parents a lot. Yeah. So... Um, did, did, think, your friend, did your friends know that w what was happening at the house? <clears throat> yeah. Like, were your friends ever there when you got a beating? Or no, they weren't ever there. But, um, but yeah, they knew what was going on. I think uh, the other thing, too, is I got into drugs and alcohol at a, at a really young age. What um, age? Sixth grade. I, I remember sixth grade. Sixth I mean, grade. that's young. Ditching school. Yeah, that's pretty young. So I could, you know... Go drink. And, yeah, that's like 12. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't even remember like eighth grade. I was pretty much stoned out of my mind the whole time. Really? Eighth grade. Yeah. And drinking and getting high? Drinking and getting high. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, did, did your parents I, know this? Yeah. Actually, in, um, was it ninth grade? It, it was either eight or ninth grade. I can't remember. My parents came home. They went to like a New Year's party. And so while my parents were gone, my brother and I decided to like throw a party at our house. Oh, boy. <laughs> and um, I don't know how we thought we would get away with this. But, oh, boy. But we had, you know, a bunch of kids from school come over. And I got so shit-faced drunk that I literally was like not functional. Like my my brother had me in the shower trying to, you know, turn on the cold water yeah. to get me to, you know, sober up before mom and dad came home. Oh, no. And they had called and they were like, let me talk to Stephanie, like just to check up on us. It was one of those yeah. like typical movie type parties yes. where you're like, everybody, okay, good, quiet, quiet. You know, hi, mom, <laughs> type of thing. But I think they could tell I yeah. was probably drunk. They came home. I was passed out drunk the next day because, you know, my stepdad was an alcoholic. So they were like, all right, we're going to teach you a lesson. 
they took me and my best friend downtown to the detox to see all the drunks <laughs> thinking that would sober me up yeah. and like teach me a lesson yeah if you want to be a you know a drunkie let's show you what drunk people look like yeah <laughs> what did you think i just i don't know what i thought during that time but it didn't stop me from drinking right i could tell you that yeah um now was was the stepdad drinking at the house all the time? Or? No, but my mom had alcohol there. Yeah. So she clearly was had drinks and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. my my, I don't remember my stepdad ever taking a drink. Hmm. So I don't think he relapsed in that way wow. where he ever took a drink. But um, but yeah, I just I was. And so so you get into high school. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Same thing. I'm, which is crazy because I. Did they ever know that you were going out, getting drunk, coming home? Yeah. They knew. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah, they knew. I was. Were you such... getting beatings for that? Oh yeah, of course. Of course. I didn't care though. Yeah. You know, I, as long as I could drink or smoke, I didn't have to think about how bad my home life was. Right. So I still got good grades. I still ran track and cross country and was first girl on the team. Yeah. So. Imagine how great I would be if I didn't drink and smoke. <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> I could have been really good. Um, you were you were really good. <laughs> I could have been even better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I never got in trouble at school. I always got in trouble with my parents. They knew I would sneak out of my house. I snuck out so much. My parents actually bolted my window shut. Oh my I couldn't God. open or close my window. My, my stepdad literally put a nail through it, so I couldn't open or close my bedroom window. But I was the type of kid that was like, I don't care. I'll go out the front door. Yeah. And I, I still would sneak out. And it was like the middle of the night? Yeah, I'd sneak out in the middle of the night. Where would you go? Your boyfriend's house? Boyfriend's. Yeah, partying. Party, whatever, drink. And this is ninth, tenth. This is all through high school. Yeah, ninth, tenth, eleventh grade. Yep. And you still were getting straight A's. Probably not all straight A's. But still doing well. But I, I was doing well in school. I was in drama too. Um, ran track, cross country. I was in ROTC. Ah, well. oh really? Mm-hmm. And ROTC is a program that gets you prepared for the military. Mm -hmm. So, at what point did you think that the mili military was for you? Um, I think I really started to think about it in like 11th and 12th grade Yeah, because my parents weren't going to support me in any way. Like I never once had a conversation about college with my parents Yeah, because they weren't going to pay for me to go to college. Right. So, and my stepdad was still in the reserves. So that was part of my growing up is you know, knowing my dad was in the reserves and um, I didn't know any other way to like run away from home. And so do you think that he being in the military definitely inspired you to go into the military? I'm yeah. I, I would, mean, it has to because I he would, was in the army. Yeah, I would say so. And I, I knew that there was no other way I could do something with my life by staying home. Right. It you knew that. I knew that. I knew that in high and, school. And speaking of which, 
have we gotten to the point or have we passed over the point where your biological dad came back to kidnap you? No, because it was after I graduated from high school. Oh, it was? It was after. Really? Yeah. And at this point, this entire time, you hadn't heard from your biological dad. You didn't even know who he was. Was he ever brought up? Did your mother ever talk about him? When I was very young, you know, like five, six, seven, um, if there were any times, I mean, I have a vague memory of like sitting on my bed, crying, looking at maybe a card or a picture or something, yeah. you know, from my dad and my mom saying like, you know, she always talked badly about him. Of course. And, you know, you need to forget about him. Like he's never coming back in your life type of thing. Wow. So I didn't know, you know, I just thought he had abandoned us. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know the reality of what was going on in his life. And so then, so you get to, you're an ROTC and then uh, you graduated at 17, Mm -hmm. but had to wait a year. I had to wait, you know, until I turned 18. So I graduated in June uh, when I was 17. I didn't turn 18. 88, 88, 87? 87. 87, yep. I didn't turn 18 till October. So I had to wait a few months. Yep. Um until I could leave to actually go to boot camp. And so. where'd you go to boot camp? Fort Dix. I knew it was Fort Dix, because that's Army, right? New Jersey. Jersey, that's right. In the dead of winter. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. My little Cali girl. <clears throat> wow. Um, yeah. So you couldn't wait to get out of that house. I could not wait to get out of that house. Were they like, they were all for it then? They were like, cool, yeah, go. Yeah, by that time... Um, so my mom and my stepdad actually ended up getting divorced. When? What age? When were you? I was, I think I was about sixteen. Yeah. So. What, what was the divorce? Why? Oh, my mom cheated. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Because there was another guy involved. Right. Um, I mean, really looking back, I think there were always guys. Yeah. Probably. So, whole, yeah, the whole time. Yeah. Um. So, my. Mom and dad actually split up, I think that close to that last year of high school, um, we were in that house still, the same house in Claremont. Yep. And my mom had moved in with another guy. My stepdad was still there. Yeah. So my mom had actually even left my my little sister and my brother and I to move in with another guy. And, um, she didn't take you with her. She didn't take, no, (sighs) she didn't take even my 10 years younger sister. And, um, did she just say, Hey, all right, I'm out here. I'm going out to get something to drink. Or I mean, how does that even happen? I don't even remember the details of her being like how she left that whole situation. There was a time I remember like, my brother and I living in that house and no parents were there. Like Because the stepdad had left too? Yeah. And that that was after I came back from boot camp, but insane, you know, just oh my it's God. just crazy. So we were really like made to just be adults yeah. at a very early. very young age. Yeah. Very early. Yeah. So Wow. And so you went to Boot camp. How was boot camp? 
Um, it's for you for went, me, it was fine. You went from drinking and doing drugs to yeah. a hard stop. Yeah. Right? Did you just smoke up till the second you left? Because you knew that, that, no, that was it? No, because I, because I joined the military when I was still in high school, I was going to... I joined the Army Reserves initially. Ah, okay. So I was going to reserve weekends mm. even while I was oh, in wow. high school. Okay. But I couldn't leave to go to boot camp until after yeah. I was 18. So once I actually signed and my parents had, had to sign for like with me yeah. because I was underage, underage still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, once I joined the military, I stopped smoking. Yep. Because you I, can. yeah, because I, I had some fear, like I was going to get in trouble. Right. You know, I still drank, but I, I stopped smoking. Um, but I really just drank on the weekends, you know, yeah. to party with all my friends. Um, and then when I left for boot camp, boot camp was easy for me. You know, I, yeah. I ran track and cross country. Yeah, I was. I actually had to gain weight to join the military. Wow. I was 96 pounds. No kidding. Yeah, I was I was tiny, little tiny thing. But, you know, you could bust out a bunch of push-ups. Yeah, pull-ups. <laughs> pull-ups and all that when you don't weigh anything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, boot camp was great. I actually advanced quickly because I had some ROTC. Yeah. So I was the squad leader. Yep. I was, you know, drill sergeant's pet. I actually never had to do the 13-mile hike in the snow because I had to stay back and help the drill sergeants get ready for everyone graduating oh, wow. from boot camp. So, yeah, I loved it. I, you know, it was just – it was a joke to me. Like, yeah. um, I had obviously grown up with adversity, so – Right. So this was nothing. To, to me, going into boot camp, I mean, I don't – I have no idea what it's like now. You know, yeah. I, I don't know when you were in. It was a lot of – it was a mental game, right? I went in in 89, so a couple years after you. Yeah, it was a mental game. You know, they were... That's it. They called you names. Yeah. They, you know, drop, give me push-ups, yeah. whatever. I got in trouble in boot camp more for laughing than anything else. Yeah. Because I thought everything was funny as hell. Yeah. It just... They called me Beetle Bailey because my last name was Bailey yeah. at that time. Um you know, it, it just was hilarious to me. Yeah. So I just, I got in trouble all the time for laughing. But That's I couldn't believe the other girls that were in there that would cry when someone was yelling at them or yeah. making fun of them well, look or what whatever. you just went through. Right. Yeah. So I just, I just thought just it was a all a beating. joke. You had a beating for 10 years. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it just was funny to me. Um, yeah, I'm sure they didn't get a beat down for 10 years like you did. So this was like a break for you. Yeah, it was definitely a break. Yeah, this was like freedom for you. Meanwhile, for people that had a, a normal childhood, this was brutal for them. Oh, my God. Right. I'm away from my family. Oh, I'm being yelled at. Oh, no. Yeah. You were like, Yeah, I was like, fantastic. this isn't that bad. You know, yeah, I was great. used to the discipline of like, this bed isn't made right. All right. I knew how to do the corners. You already knew. I already knew that stuff. <laughs> I was I was well versed. I was prepared. So you were already ready to go. Yeah, it was wow. I was ready. I loved I loved it. It was probably the best thing that ever happened to me was going into the military. It really it did teach me some things. I mean, in a weird sort of way, I could say I'm thankful for 
the discipline, having to do chores. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say I'm thankful for the beatings, but I like I get it now. Yeah. I think, you know, initially I might have been resentful and yeah. bitter and all of that. But I did quickly learn like that doesn't serve me well. Right. You know, being a victim and yes. all of that. Um, and I wanted something better for my life. I, I wanted to do something with my life. I didn't want to repeat the patterns. Yes. I kind of say like, you know, if God didn't get a hold of me and I didn't go into the military, I probably, you know, looking at my family history, yes. I should have been married and divorced a few times with however many baby daddies. And, yeah, yeah. you know, a drug addict, alcoholic. Right. That's that's what I should have been. And, and frankly, what a lot of what happens a lot with other people that have that type of a traumatic childhood. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that cycle continues. Right. The most of the time, I'll say you're mm -hmm. a rarity. Right. Like how you mentally got past that and then turned it around. Obviously, the military had a lot to do with that. The military did. And I think. You know, when you're in the military back then, it was, we were all separated. So it was, I, I couldn't have a relationship, obviously. Obviously. You know, yeah. the females. Male company, female company. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. The only, actually, this is really quite sad, but I will admit, I started going to church. The only reason why, because the guys and the girls would go to church together. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, That's so amazing. I started going to church, but God actually got a hold of me during that time. Really, hundred percent. I became a Christian. I mean, I mean, let, I'll back up a little bit. Yeah. In high school, like I said, I'd get in trouble a lot with right. my parents. Yeah. Never really got in trouble at school, although I did get in trouble in ROTC once because we had an overnight thing, and I did drink. Yeah. So. <laughs> I did get in trouble there then, but anyway, <laughs> we'll just fast forward. Yeah. Um, but uh, what was I saying? Um, um, about uh, church and God. Oh, yeah. So the only thing that my parents would let me do, because I was always on restriction, I was yeah. always in trouble, um, always sneaking out of the house, yeah. you know, that type of thing. But they would let me go to youth group. Hmm. My parents didn't go to church. They didn't do anything. Right. But... I had, you know, neighborhood friends. Uh, there was actually a, a family that lived around the corner from us that were church-going Christians, yep. their kids going to youth groups. So they knew how crazy my family was because right. I graduated with their son. Um, and so they would invite us to church so I, I could go to youth group. So I remember, like, accepting the Lord when I was probably, like, 13, 14, mm -hmm. um, I don't know that I really understood completely what I did at that time, um, but I had I had an understanding. Like, I believed in God. I, I wanted to be better. I just didn't know how yeah. to be better in the chaos that I grew up in. Um, so being in the military and going to church every Sunday so I could see boys— Really, like I got God got a hold of me. Yeah. During that time, I mean, it's pretty lonely. Right? Yes. You know, very lonely. I'll say to be there, and you know, no, you know, no one. Right. You 
you're thrown in. You're, I mean, I was, I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, emotionally, probably like 12. <laughs> totally. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, when I came home, I actually started going to Horizon. I don't know. If... So go, go back to, uh, it was boot camp that you were going to church. Yeah, it was boot camp when I was going to church. And how did God get a hold of you? You said God got a hold of you. How do you how do you how do you know that? Because I just had this this really strong like I don't I don't know what you call it, but I, this really strong pull to just want to be involved in church and yeah. know God. Yep. And. So when I came home, which is it's the Holy actually, Spirit. yes, coming home on leave um, during Christmas, this is odd even yeah. that they let us go home for Christmas during boot camp. Mm. So I came home, I went to a service and I remember like recommitting my life, like saying, all right, I'm, I'm going to follow you, yep. God, this yep. is what I'm going to do. Yep. And went back to boot camp. Um, still was really hard to. And, and you said when you came back, did you go to a certain church here then? Yeah, I, I had gone to Horizon. Okay, I went to a service at Horizon, yeah. and um, and so then when I went back to boot camp, it didn't stop me from drinking, yeah, having premar- premarital sex, all yeah. that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. But I, I still always had like. God in the back of my mind, yeah. kind of thing. Um, so fast forward, going through boot camp, AIT, all that stuff. Yep. Since I was in the reserves, I came home. I was trained as a psychiatric technician. Now, did you you chose that job, right? I chose that. I wanted to go into psych. You probably did really well on the ASVAB. <laughs> I did Am very I well on the ASVAB. I, and the ASVAB, guys, is the test that you take to get into the military. And they base your test scores off of the jobs that they will then uh, give you the option of choosing. Yeah. So the medical field was higher up. If you do well, you then have the top 10% of jobs that only smart people can (laughs) can go into, right? Yes. And I chose psych because I honestly wanted to figure out why my family was crazy. Wow. That's why I went into psych. No kidding. Which I think is... Why a lot of people go into that? I think most therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists have some sort of family history of ah, that's, something. That's very on. interesting. Yeah. Wow. So I wanted to find out why my family was crazy. Yeah. And so that's why I chose that particular path. Um, and I loved nursing. I wasn't afraid of blood and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So when I, I remember being in AIT, my schooling, psych schooling. Where was that school? It was in Texas. Texas, okay. Yeah, Fort Sam Houston. Yep. Um, and talking to my instructors and looking at, you know, all the DSM-3 medical diagnoses and all of that for psych. Yeah. And thinking, oh my gosh, I do these same things. And kind of wondering, like, am I crazy? I think th- one of the biggest fears I had growing up was that I was going to be like my mom. Right. That I was going to be bad shit crazy. Yeah. I was going to treat yeah. my family badly. You know, yeah. all that. I, I had a very strong fear of being like my mother. And um, 
And so reading about different diagnoses and, you know, bipolar and yeah. uh, multiple personality and whatever, all that stuff, I'd be like, oh, my gosh. But I, I do these things. And I, I remember talking to my instructor saying, like, am I am I crazy? Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> um, it was I, I'm so grateful for the military again because yeah. I had these amazing people that really took me in and in a sense mentored me to to show me I'm not crazy yeah you know no everybody does these things you get to a point where you get a diagnosis when it becomes obsessive or compulsive right and you're not obsessive or compulsive you wow. you can manage your life when your life becomes unmanageable, then that's when we might need to say, oh, okay, now you have this diagnosis. So I really helped, it helped me to understand, you yeah, know, yeah. a little bit more about myself. And I think that was probably the biggest thing that the Army helped with was me understanding who I was to a certain degree and that. I wasn't what happened to me. Yeah. I I was who I am. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't have to be what happened to me. Right. So that was the first thing that the military did. But then coming home and uh first thing I did was apply at a psychiatric hospital because my background was in psych. And I and got so it. hold on. So you're coming home meaning from oh, after all, the A school. Yeah, from all my training. Okay, got it. And because um, I I specifically joined the reserves. I didn't. Oh, that's right. You didn't actually join. I didn't join the actual... to go away for two years got or four it. years. I just joined the reserves. So I came home, got a job got at a psych it. hospital. And reserves, just to, to clear it up for everybody, the reserves are where you do one weekend a month. Uh, give me the scenario. I can't remember. One that. weekend a month and two weeks a year. Two weeks a year, one weekend a month. That's mm -hmm. the reserves. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I committed for eight years. Eight years of that. Six Oof. years, six years Oof. active to inactive. Initially, that's what I committed to. Okay. Um, so yes. So I came home, got a job at a psychiatric hospital. First time I applied, got a job there, yeah. um, met my husband. So I'm 19, 20. Yes. Met my husband at a psychiatric hospital. At a psychiatric hospital. <laughs> we were both staff. I will clarify. <laughs> he wasn't a patient. <laughs> he wasn't a patient. <sighs> I was like, oh no, don't tell me. Don't uh, <laughs> tell me he was your patient. <laughs> Sweet no. Jesus. No, we were both staff. Okay. Um, we worked on the child adolescent program. Um, I worked the day shift. He worked the night shift. I actually worked with one of his best friends during the day. Yeah. They were roommates. Um, and my husband was a mental health counselor. I was a psych tech and the unit secretary up there on that child adolescent program. And um, my husband was getting his master's in marriage family child counseling at that time. Wow. Yeah. So he was going to be an MFT. Yeah. Um, yep. And so uh, during that time that I was there, the Gulf War started. That's right. I got called to active duty. That's right. Because when you're in the reserves, you were active reserves, yeah? Yeah. Yep. 
When you're active reserves at any point, if a war breaks out, you can get called in to go active duty, right? Yep. Okay, go. I got called to active duty. Um, Were you freaking out at this point? Like, oh my God. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean. That's serious. It was, yeah. Because in army, you're actually in the fight. Yeah. I, I was so, Navy. I was in a ship off the sea. I was yeah. safe as can be. And I was in an evac hospital. So an evac hospital is basically like MASH, if you remember yes. that show. Yeah, right, right, right. So we go in the middle of nowhere and set up a full functioning hospital. Yep. That's what we did. So um, I was actually uh, NCO of the nursing section. So I, all the people that came in to nursing, I kind of processed them yep. in my reserve unit. So I was a um, sergeant in the, in the nursing yep. section. So I was actually called to duty sooner than the rest of everyone Yeah, because yeah. I had a big role right. in, You're a the, leader. in You're... the nursing section, um, which is mind-boggling now that I think about it because I was 20 years old. Yeah, 20. Insane. I know. You know, 20, 21, craziness. I know. In a, um, in a leadership position in the military. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And so we did all this training to get ready to go. And we actually left, um, gosh, it was right after Christmas. So that was 91. We left right after. We actually flew over. I don't know whose genius idea this was. Flew over the day the air war started. So we got diverted. Oh, wow. First to Italy. We yeah. weren't allowed off the plane. Um, just wow. had to stay on the plane yeah. hours. Hours. With Italian troops surrounding us with, you know, ready, guns ready. Yeah. The plane. Um, eventually, we got clearance to fly to Germany. So initially, I went to Germany, but we were thought we were going to the desert so yeah, right here we are in the dead of winter in germany and stayed at Rhinemine until we could get to daharan mm. and um so finally get to daharan um and that's crazy i mean just like everything that you see and hear um, you set up shop we actually, we didn't end up setting shop there. That was kind of like where everyone filtered in initially. Yeah. They called this place MGM because it seemed like a movie set. Oh, really? Yeah. It was crazy. Scud missiles all the time flying overhead. Get out of here. Carrying your M16 gas mask the entire time. Um, you just got used to it. From there, they actually had... A so did they debrief you on the plane? Like, hey, here's what's going down. Yeah, yeah we... As soon yeah. as we land, you're going to be mm -hmm. throwing the gas mask on, get your gun. They had the sirens, you know, anytime something was coming by. So it was just cover, mask cover. Were, were, were right things in. hitting close to you? Yeah, like yeah. Actually, there were things that hit. At MGM, not while I was there. Yeah. Fortunately, after after we left, but um, we had enough frontline troops then, yeah. so we actually ended up in the United Arab Emirates. 
didn't have to set up an evac hospital. We actually were overflow for frontline casualties. Ah. So I lived in a two-bedroom, totally furnished apartment during war. You're kidding me. <laughs> Wasn't even allowed to wear my uniform. Ah, because you had to be kind of like... Because um, I had to be like I was blend in. one of the locals. Yeah. So we had to be full garb, you know. Civilian wear? Yeah. But long skirts, women weren't allowed to show their legs. Yes. Um, had to keep our head covered, that kind of thing. So you were in that that type of... Yeah. Like you look like a local? <laughs> yeah. And we worked in the civilian hospital there and were overflow for frontline casualties. So I did see some psych because obviously when you go to war, you're going to see some things yeah. like that. People that are... You know, some things come out yes. under stress. Right. So, you know, having to deal with some of that. But I helped a lot on the burn unit. Oh, so man. So that was rough. Oh, boy. But, um, yeah, and was there for about three months. Um, I actually had gotten engaged in September before I left. Yeah. So my husband asked me to marry him in September. I tried to get him to marry me before we left, you know. Oh, really? I was like, what if what if I die? And we were um, church-going Christians yes. at that point. So I was like, what? and we've never had sex. <laughs> so You if, hadn't? What if I die? And yeah, we and we didn't have sex. So wait a minute. Were you then playing by the rules? I was. You actually. were. I, I literally stopped drinking when I turned 21. It was so funny. What? Because I got... Yeah, because I, I got engaged. So when I came back from the military... So he and was I, a Christian, obviously. He was a Christian. There you were, knew that ahead of time, I'm sure. Yeah, there were actually a lot of Christians at the psych hospital that I worked at. Wow. So I started going to church, like, socially. Yeah. And, um, and then when I actually had been going to church pretty regularly i was still kind of like one foot in one foot yeah, out yeah, like where yeah. i was you know i'd go to church in the middle of the week go to like a midweek bible study and then mm. i'd go on sunday but friday and saturday i was like totally drinking yeah. <laughs> and yeah. living it up yeah. um, i actually had another boyfriend at that time that oh, was did. was in my reserve unit um i really honestly thought we were going to end up married, but I broke up with him because I told him I, he, the way he put it was, I feel like you're breaking up with me for another guy. Yeah. But it was because I got so like invested in church and I was like, well, I kind of am, but his name is Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so Did you I, tell him that? Yeah. Yeah. What, he wasn't Christian? He wasn't. It wasn't that he wasn't a Christian or didn't believe in God or whatever, but he just, he wasn't in that place. Yeah. Like the Holy Spirit hadn't gotten a hold of him. Right. I had gotten, I had gotten so involved in church, even though I started kind of going socially. Um, if anybody had asked me, was I a Christian? I would have said yes, because yep. I accepted the Lord when I was, you know, 13, 14. But um but I just didn't know how to live that life, yeah. you know, like how to not be out of control. Right. You know, but at some point during that time when I was going to church socially, 
I really heard God say, like, you either need to commit or stop coming because you're living like a double life, Mm. you know? And so I was like, you know what? I've literally tried everything else in my life. Yeah. Let me give this 100%. And so that's when I really committed my life to Christ. So that was before Dave and I started dating. Yeah. And then once we, once he saw I was like really committing my life to Christ, then we started dating. We actually didn't kiss for months. He asked me if he could kiss me the first time he kissed wow. me. Isn't that crazy? Yes. We did not have sex before marriage. Um, You're on the same page there. We were... We were just really trying to honor God yeah. in our relationship. Yeah. Um, so I tried to get him to marry me before I went to war, but he was like, no, God's going God's gonna to do what yeah. he's going to do. Yeah. Like, we'll yeah. be okay. So I was gone from December to March in the war. Yeah. Um, came home and then planned my wedding, got married in July. Oh, really? <laughs> it was very short. Wow. Um, yeah, and I was 21. Yeah, so. 21. So you've been married now for 31 years. It'll be 31 in July. In July. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Unbelievable. Yeah. All right, so keep going. So um, worked at the psych hospital six years on call at Really, I was there when I came back from the military, um, from active duty. I came back. I worked there some more, uh, about another year and a half or so, full time. And then... At the psych hospital. At the psych hospital. But then I got pregnant six months after we were married. Ah, hello. Not quite my plan. Oh, yeah. Clearly God's plan. Of course. Um, So, yeah, I got pregnant six months later. So had my first kid at 22. 22, okay. Yeah. And Dave still worked at the psych hospital as well. He worked uh, evening shift. I worked day shift. Yep. So after we had our daughter, I, you know, of course, took some leave from work to take care of my daughter. But then I went back to work when she was about four or five months old. Yeah. And um, he would watch Sayla yep. during the day. He would drive to Her work. Her name is Sayla? Sayla. How'd you come up with that name? It's biblical. Oh, yeah? It's in the Bible. No it's way. In Psalms, yeah. Aww. Yeah. Um, so uh, he would drive to work with Sayla. Yep. And then, so I worked seven to three. He worked three to 11. Wow. We would kind of have her just kind of a little mascot at the, at the hospital. Oh, you had her with um, you? We, yeah. So, you know, a change of shift, you'd do the shift meeting. Um, so somebody would have to have her. Yeah. <laughs> and then we would just switch yep. and then I'd drive home with her. So we did that for another good, I don't know, six or seven months. And then I was just like, I'm not doing this. I want to be home with my daughter so, um, so Dave was gone at a wedding one weekend. I just prayed and fasted and was like, God, like, I just want to be home with my kid. Like, what am I going to do? And he's quit your job. 
just be on call at the hospital. Don't actually work full time. And so I was like, what am I going to do? I need to make money. We were, you know, young family, just bought a house. Um, So I, when Dave came home from that weekend of being gone, I was like, I'm quitting my job. And I think I'm going to run a home daycare. So that's what I did. Yeah. I ran a home daycare. Wow. And I watched six kids every day. And how did you get your clients? Um, just like word of mouth. Yeah, word of mouth. Yeah. 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 I, um, yeah, I just, I did that. I stayed home with the kids. And, and now talk to me about being a mother. Like, did you immediately get intentional on being the complete opposite of your mother? hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A hundred percent. I actually went to parenting classes. Wow. I didn't, I mean, I, I raised my little sister, so I felt like I had a little bit of an understanding of kind of what to do, but I didn't, I didn't have, you know, any sort of example growing up. So I actually went to parenting classes. Um, in that time, they had this program called Growing Kids God's Way. Mm. I don't know if you ever heard of that. But, I have not. Um, but yeah, I, I went to parenting classes. I wanted to be a good mom. I wanted to love my kids and understand loving my kids yeah. and being present for them. So... I did that, and I think that really helped me a really? lot. Yeah, my husband and I went together to mm. these classes. They had different groups, you now, know, that families would meet. So. And at this point, by the way, uh, did did your husband know about your childhood? Did you tell him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You told him. Yeah, I told him about my childhood. How was his childhood? Pretty. He came from the exact opposite. opposite. Wow. Leave it to Beaver. That was his family. So this is a great match for you. Yeah. Right? I think I was more attracted to my husband. I mean, he is a really good looking guy. But I think I was more attracted to him because of his stability. Yes. His his home life. Mm. Um, His parents were still married, had been married for, I mean, how many years at that point? Yeah. Yeah. I think, and what, so your little sister. What? What? At this point, what was going on with her? Um, she so was, she you was, were 20, she, yeah, she, she was, was only still ten or eleven. Yeah, she was going back and forth between my mom and my stepdad's house. So, like, she'd live one week with my mom, one week Oof. with my dad, and it went like that. But crazy enough, when my husband and I bought a house, it was in. Um, Kearney Macy area, Birdland. We bought a house in Birdland. My sister went to, she grew up going to, um, is it Lindbergh? Like the Spanish immersion schools. Yeah. And so for junior high and high school, she would take the bus to my house after school. (laughs) No kidding. And so, yeah, so she still continued through like junior high and high school, she still was a big part of, we're super close. Are you really? Yeah, Oh, super that's close. great. She's here in San Diego? No, she actually lives in San Francisco. Oh, she does? Yeah. 
So I think we breezed over when the dad came back to kidnap you. That was, so that was when I was four. And then we moved multiple times. Okay. Oh, the dad came back when you were four. Yeah, when it was when okay. I was no, 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 four. no. It wasn't that. What it was was when you met. You said you didn't meet I, him again. I met him. Or so me- after I came back from my military yes, training, yes, that was it. That's what I wanted to. When I came back from all my military training, remember I had to get a legal name change, right? So he could find me because there was ah. a record of my original name being changed to my new name. He was still looking he for me. He was still looking for you. After all those years. Wow. Somehow got a got my phone number and called me at that house. I was living in my parents' house, even though both of them were not living in that yes, house. Yes, that's right. I was living in that house. And this is when I was working at Mesa Vista, yep. came back from the military. My dad had called me, got my number, and called me and said, I would love to meet you. And I had no grudges at that point. Yeah. Like, it is it is really interesting when I look at, because my brother and I are pretty close in age. Yeah. Um, my brother turned out the opposite. So when you talk about people becoming, you know, using their yes. growth, their experiences to keep them stuck or whatever he my brother was bitter looked at my dad as like you owe us years and years of back support that type of thing yeah i didn't i didn't have that mentality yeah i was happy i wanted to meet my dad i wanted to know who he was and what was going on in his life he said i would like to pay for a ticket for you to come out to meet me and And he was in chicago mm -hmm. yep and um, so I said, yes, I wanted to go. So I met my dad. It was beautiful. And what age was that now? I was... No, it was 19. Right? I was 19. 19. Okay. Yeah. So you went out. What, what did your brother say? You're crazy. What are you doing? No, he just was, you know, like, I, I don't know if I want anything to do with this. He did eventually yeah. end up going out there and stuff. But, um, but he wasn't interested at the moment. Yeah. And probably wanted me to see what it was like. Right. Um, so at that time, my biological father was married to my stepmother, Sherry. I'm still in contact with Sherry. Yeah. Um, and they eventually ended up having another child. Wow. And so um, he has a son. So my half-brother. Yeah. Um, he has a son that is, I think... A year older than my oldest daughter. Oh, wow. <laughs> Are you serious? And Michael, my step, my half-brother, lives here in San Diego now. He does? Is that crazy? No Wild. way. Yeah. So, yeah, it's awesome. Wow. Are you close to him at all? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we talk. He's God. he's actually getting married this year on my birthday. No way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I have this crazy, weird extended family everywhere um, and so all right so let's get back to um san diego you uh you started the daycare i started the daycare and how, I, how many years did you do that i did that um so gosh that was from like 93 90 90 92 salo was born in 92 93 Probably ninety 
94 till we moved to a bigger house yeah. in 2000. And so, yeah. I and did. So let me ask you this. In the 90s, you were, a new, you were kind of a new mom, mm-hmm. but were you ever going, like, when you had time off, did you ever go to Pacific Beach on the weekends? Oh, all the time. Okay, so what years were you there? 93, 94, 95? Yeah, I mean, we... Did would... you ever go to Plum Crazy? <laughs> At that time, no. No. No, because I was full-blown Christian. Ah, I was... Okay. Yeah. We were... No funny business whatsoever. We were loving Jesus. You were loving some Jesus. Because <laughs> was... I'm asking because I bounced at the bars in Pacific Beach in 93, 94, 95. Yeah. I pretty much, like I said, I stopped drinking pretty much when I turned... I mean, I when I turned 21, because I was getting married, yeah. you know, that year, I, I was already... I was in... I was... Jesus yeah. loving. You were loving it. Loving was, some Jesus. Yeah. Loving you some Jesus. And I I was really just, um, I was all in because I just wanted something different yeah. in my yeah. life. 100%, you know? yeah. So, no, I was not in the party scene whatsoever. Got it. okay. Not going to nightclubs. Doing, Curious. Not doing any of that stuff. Um, I was leading Bible studies. Wow. Um I don't know if you know Miles McPherson of used to play for the Chargers. Oh yeah, uh, he was actually the pastor, youth pastor at Horizon. Oh really? And because I was very much into like wanting to help kids, I worked on the child adolescent program at yeah. the hospital. I got involved in high school ministry, and no so kidding. Miles was the high school pastor. I was one of the leaders at the high school ministry. Wow. And so I was helping to mentor young kids to, you know, high school kids to really know how to live and yeah. follow Jesus despite whatever circumstances you're in and yep, or gone through. Yeah. And um, you know, how to just walk with the Lord. So I was discipling kids in um high school then. Actually I still am friends with a lot of the girls that I discipled back then. Wow. And um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's other things I could talk about. I don't know how, how yeah. crazy you want to get into different things, but did I did get pregnant in high school, um, had an abortion. You did in high school? At 16. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a whole nother crazy story. But like I said, I was looking for love. Yeah. You know, obviously had an example of my mom constantly being in having relationships with men. Um, so, but again, that was, I think that's another thing that kind of led me to, to church and, and really like seeking God, wanting forgiveness and, and living a, a life that I didn't have to be ashamed of. Right. I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I was, I wanted to be the best person I could be. Yeah, uh, the most righteous yeah. person you could possibly yeah. be. And so, uh, but again, like I'll I'll bring up the whole perfectionist thing because yeah. that was really hard. And I I I want people to have a right impression of what church is. Church is a bunch of people who are messed up that just want to seek forgiveness and love. 
you're, you're summing it up. <laughs> <laughs> it is not a bunch of perfect people is yeah. what I want to say. <laughs> I love the way you're putting that. It is. We are all messed up. There is no one perfect person. Yeah, we person. all have issues and we're all got our stuff, our yes. baggage, our, you're 100% correct. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. So I will tell you, there was a time, I think probably from my 20s to my 30s, I really was just trying to follow the rules and do everything right. Yeah. And it didn't help me, I will tell you. I was in leadership. I love God. I was full of the Holy Spirit. But there was a disconnect. And I think that disconnect was that attempting perfection. Ah. And I, there was something missing. I still didn't feel right or I didn't feel good enough. Yeah. And it was because I had to understand who God really was, not just follow the rules and yeah. that makes me right because I'm never going to be perfect. Right. I'm never going to be 100% right. It's not attainable, this side of heaven, right? Yes. We, we all are going to make mistakes. So I, I ended up getting to a point in my life where I was... I was doing all the right things. I was, um, after I did the daycare, when we moved, we moved down to South Bay. Yep. Um, so that was in 2000. <clears throat> I had actually gone through this healing group through this organization called Silent Voices. And um, it was for women who have had abortions yep. and wanted to find some healing. And so I did this weekend group thing with them and it was great it was did really help me kind of get into perspective um i guess how god sees me that i didn't again have to live in that shame like sin is sin there's no degrees of sin right yeah you could say you lied or you're a murderer like it's still sin. Yeah. You know, we don't, there's no degrees of sin. So we're all sinners. And I think when you can get to a point of understanding that I'm no different than you or this guy or that guy or that woman, whatever, um, God wants to love all of us. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and he wants us to love other people. Yeah. And how can we best do that? Uh, so, I, I did find some healing, but I think still not quite understanding the whole, it's not just about following these rules yeah. that are going to make you happy. Um, it was understanding who I am in Christ and how God sees me. And I didn't really discover that until I was like my mid-30s. Mm. So I was working now at uh, that nonprofit, Silent Voices. I was running a group for young women in crisis who were abortion-minded and or, abor- or abortion vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. And um, showing them, like, you don't have to make that choice. If you do, I'm still going to love you, yeah. and I'm still going to help you and encourage you. But if you want to make the choice to parent – regardless of whether the 
baby daddy's involved in your life or your parents are around or you have support, I'm going to be here to be a support to you. I'm going to teach you parenting classes, life skills classes. I'm going to love you, encourage you. We had a store where they could shop with their mommy dollars. Yep. And um, so I did that for 15 years. 15 years. Yeah. I, I ran this group called uh, Bridges to Motherhood and wow. worked for this nonprofit. And that's here in San Diego? It's here it's, in it's San Diego. It's still here? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I did that just helping young women in crisis. I'm still, you know, friends and mentors with a lot of those girls, a lot of those girls that had those babies now have babies. Wow. So I'm really like a grandma to a no lot of way. those. A couple of those girls call me mom and their kids oh, call me Nana. that's so amazing. Um, so yeah, that was, it was really awesome. But around 45, when I was around 45 yeah. years old, yep. is when I really started having so I think at 35, I started really going like, why am I not like the disconnect totally happy? And, you know, yeah. I really just started questioning things. So for 10 years, I kind of was like really trying to sort out like, what is my life? And I still was doing the, the right things, going to church. I was in leadership. I was, um, you know, working at Silent Voices, helping young women in crisis, Um but right around 45 is where I would say I had my like full midlife crisis. Yeah. <laughs> and I really just, I loved what I did. There were other things with the organization that I didn't love. Yeah. Some of the politics of that. Um, and I did my best to really try to redirect it because I was supposed to become the director of that organization. Um, and I don't want to get into any of that, yeah, yeah, but yeah. long story short, God had been telling me for years mm. I needed to get out of there. Got it. And, but I think it, I use that as my identity. Like Stephanie was the person who helped everyone. Yep. Stephanie was the one who was in charge of everything. I, you know, I homeschooled my kids. When I stopped homeschooling my kids and I put them in high school, then I became the PTA president. Yeah. You know, always this, I'm always going to get to the top. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always going to lead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I got to this point where I'm like, what good is this? Like, what is it? What is this really doing for me? Yeah. And so I finally listened to God and I was like, I'm going to leave Silent Voices. I had no job lined up. I had no idea what I was going to do. I was overweight when I had been this phenomenal like athlete yeah. when I was younger. Yep. I like to say I was fit-ish. Right. Because I didn't do anything consistent. You're right. Um, but that's what led me to hardcore. It was. That's what led me to hardcore. I had a couple of friends on Facebook that I went to high school with that um, were posting pictures on Facebook from their 60-day challenge. Yes. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> like, why do they look like this? Yeah. Because I was always, you know, the super fit, 
skinny girl, yeah. you know, could eat or drink whatever she wanted. But now I was like a good 30 pounds overweight. Yeah. And when you're five foot one, yeah, that's not hard to... There's not many places to go there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, you, you can't hide that. Right. So yeah. um, I kind of just got to this point where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I saw those pictures. So I was interested in a 60-day challenge. And I came unannounced. I remember Haley was pissed because I walked into Morena without yeah. an appointment. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, what, oh, no. what are you doing here? <laughs> And I was like, well, I, I Googled you guys and I saw that you were here. I don't live that far away. Like I want to check out the 60-day challenge thing. Haley being who Haley is, signed me up for a membership. Yeah. Did not tell my husband. You didn't tell your husband? No, I did not. I, we couldn't afford that. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because you just, you just quit your job. Yeah. Uh, well, no, this was before I quit my job. Oh, okay, got it. This was before oh, I great. But we still couldn't quit. I still couldn't afford it. Yeah. Um, but I was at wit's end. Like, I was sick of myself. And I was questioning my marriage. Didn't like my kids. Why were you questioning your marriage? It just, because I, I was, I was in this place where I was like, I have everything, but I'm still not happy. Hmm. So, and what do you say about your kids? You were not happy with I the kids? I didn't like anybody. <laughs> I didn't like my husband. I didn't like my job. I didn't like my kids. I didn't like And anything. how many kids at this point did you have? I only had three at this point. Oh, only three? Yeah, only three. <laughs> um, and we breezed right over the, the other two, by the way. And, yeah. And, which, all yeah. Right. So you didn't, like your, you didn't like anybody? I didn't like anybody. But I think it was really, I just, I didn't like myself. That's what it was, yeah. I didn't like myself because I, I didn't. I don't think I really knew who I was. I think I just, I became whatever I did. That was your identity. Whatever you did was your identity. Yeah. And as long as I was heading something up, as long as I was worrying about other people's problems, I didn't have to deal with my own. Right. So I was busy. I was always busy doing something. Yep. Um, So yeah, I... I think by that time, I just was so sick and tired of things. I didn't care anymore. I I got the membership. I didn't tell my husband for a little bit. And then finally, I realized, like, at some point, he's going to figure out, yeah. like, I have a membership <laughs> to this gym. And, um, and so I was just like, I did a thing. Sorry. I don't know how we're going to pay for it. We, get, we need to figure it out. Because... Yeah. I have to do this, like, for my mental health. Yeah. Like, it's either this or I'm going to be at Mesa Vista as a patient, <laughs> not as a right a, a staff. <laughs> yeah. So I, we got to do something. So I started going to hardcore. Liter- I, I went from being the mom that did everything. All my kids were in competitive gymnastics. Yep. I was, like I said, PTA president, HOA president. I'm involved in everything, running this group. But I told everyone, I am not making dinner for 60 days. And so everybody knows this. uh, The Hardcore Fitness does a 60-day challenge where they get you ripped up within 60 days because you go on this incredibly 
strict regimen, a food regimen, water regimen, workout regimen, cardio regimen for 60 days. And it's the, and I'll never, I don't want to get into my story at all. I don't, but I'll tell you right now, when I came out of the most lowest point of my life and our business life, which was nine years ago, it was the 60 day challenge that, that was, I was able to wipe out all of the negativity, all of the excess fat that was on my body. People see me now and they think I'm in shape my whole life. No, 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 no. It was hardcore fitness that got me out of the funk. So go back to you. And yep. I want everybody to realize how powerful this thing is. Yeah. There's people listening because most people are not comfortable with their body mm-hmm. and it affects you mentally over time because when you're in good shape you feel really good about yourself you operate at a much higher level as a human being when you're in shape when you're lean when you're comfortable in your clothes when you can look in the mirror and be like wow okay that's cool right yep okay, I, want, I wanted it to changed, jump in it literally changed my I life i wanted to jump in real quick <laughs> so people know that this is how powerful this so go go ahead yeah so um, so it changed your whole so who, com- who, who was your captain do you remember gloria coda gloria <laughs> Oh my God. I love Gloria. Best thing that could have happened. Best to me. thing ever. She's amazing. Guess who the family that lived around the corner was that took me to church as a teenager? Who? Gloria's husband, Carlos Coda. Shut up. His parents. Mary Coda, his mom, was was and still is literally an angel on earth. She's, she's, was a guardian, your guardian, one of your guardian angels. She is the one who introduced me basically to Jesus. At what age? At like 13 or 14. Are you kidding me? So I didn't know, I didn't know Gloria. I knew Carlos because I went to school with him. We graduated. Yes. Together. Get out of here. We grew up from sixth grade until high school, you know, so Gloria's husband, Carlos, um, it was his family that took us to church as teenagers. So unbelievable. So yeah. So Gloria and I, even though we didn't know each other, we yeah. had this like weird connection. <laughs> right. And she was amazing. And so this was what sixteen, fifteen. When yeah, was twenty. I think it was twenty sixteen. Maybe was. Do you remember Rachel and I doing a challenge? Do you remember us? Yeah, yeah. I okay. totally remember. I think we were still doing them at that point. Yeah, yeah. I think I had the Beast Squad. Did I yeah. have the Beast with the? And I think you, you guys probably had your picture up yeah. at the pit. That's right. Already. Yeah. When it wasn't the pit then, yep. it was Marina. But yeah. Yeah, we started that. Like our team. Yeah. Started the picture. The pictures. Thing. I loved it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. Um, so anyway, then uh, I got into the 60-day challenge, completely changed my life. I lost 20 pounds in 60 days. 20 pounds in 20 60 pounds. days. Wow. For someone that's five foot one. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, but like you said, it just, it changed everything. It taught me how to eat. Yep. Taught me how to exercise. I was, I wanted to work out. I just didn't want to think about working. Right. I wanted to show up, tell me what to do. And that's what hardcore fitness. And you're surrounded by 15 to 20 people with the music blaring. Yeah. It's the most motivating environment I'd ever been in in my life. And Mm -hmm. I've been bodybuilding for 30 years. Yep. So people that are listening, if you're like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. I don't want to get a trainer. I don't want to go in these meathead gyms where I'm going to be judged. 
try hardcore. Yeah. And, and call surround yourself. Yeah. Call, yeah, <laughs> call exactly. <me>. Call. <laughs> call me. I'll help you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I did that after the challenge was over. I reverse dieted. Yep. Um, it was, I mean, talk about insane shape. Yep. I decided after the challenge, I was happy, you know, with where I was at because yeah. I finally got. How did your relationship down. with your family? So you said I'm not cooking dinner for sixty days. What yeah. did the family say? Well, they were just kind of <laughs> like. What are they going to say? Okay, <laughs> I think, I think everybody kind of realized like, mom's losing it. Yeah, mom's losing it. So okay, we're just going to go with this. I mean, I. Like I said, I, I didn't even go into, I homeschooled my kids. Yeah. Um, and that. And what, what made you decide to homeschool them? Honestly, the reason why I ended up homeschooling was because we moved from Birdland to Chula Vista. Okay. I lived in Otay Ranch. Um, and down in Chula Vista, they did year round school. My oldest daughter was. A very quiet, redheaded, very white-looking girl. Yeah. In South Bay. Yeah, yeah. And since they do year-round school in Chula Vista, I was like, shoot, I don't want to put my poor... I mean, like, she really yeah. was the minority. Right. In yeah. in that time. Of course. <laughs> um, I I felt like she wouldn't have adjusted well yeah. to that. So I really kind of got into homeschooling as a a fluke kind of thing. Yeah. I was like, okay, school started in June. We didn't move till October. So I, I was like, let me just homeschool her for this first year because um, my other two kids were still young and now I wasn't running the daycare. Right. So... Um, because I, I said, you know, if we move, like, I don't, I just want to focus on my kids. I don't want to have to work or whatever. So my husband in, was in law enforcement at that time as a senior probation officer. So he didn't make great money, you know, working yeah. as a civil yeah. servant, whatever. Um, but we made it work. So I stayed home and until I started working for the nonprofit, which was just a couple days a week um, until it led into full time. But... Anyway, um, I really, I taught my kids a lot since I was home. Yeah. I did 30-day cooking where my kids were involved, where I made all our meals for the whole month in one weekend. Yeah. Froze them. Um, so my kids knew how to cook. They, you know, and they were teenagers at yeah. this point. I think Salem might have already even been a senior or close to leaving and going to college but um but the girls knew how to cook yeah Sayla Shiloh and Samara they they knew how to cook um and I mean my husband knows how to cook too he's probably a better cook than I am honestly um I grew up a vegetarian you know so you did I, yeah well because my stepdad was a vegetarian so oh that's right yeah so I didn't know how to cook that well oh, that's incredible I had to really learn a lot of things <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> growing up. Uh, anyway, so I said, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not cooking. I actually got meal prep. Remember when Tommy's wife Vanessa yes. was doing yeah, yeah, yeah. the yep. meal prep company? So I got meal prep from Vanessa, mm. and um, 
I did that 60 day challenge. It was amazing. My family survived, but honestly, from then I, I did end up cooking for my family after that, but I, I started cooking the way hardcore taught me how to eat. Yeah. Not that I, I, we were a pretty health conscious family, you know, always active. My kids always in sports. Uh, my husband surfs, all that kind of stuff. So we were an active family, but I had let myself go. No one else needed to do a 60-day challenge yeah. <laughs> except for me. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, they all survived. Um, but from that, not only did I join Hardcore, I got into a 12-step program. I actually got into adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families. Really? Yes. And, Why um, did you feel like you, you like how, what brought, what brought you to that? I think because I also started going to therapy. You know what? I was going to ask that <laughs> earlier, but I figured we would get to it. Yeah. When did you start going to therapy? I started going to therapy around the same time I started hardcore. So I started because therapy. You felt like your family that oh, mommy's losing it. Yeah, I just something was. I I was off. I was wow. literally having a midlife crisis. Yeah. I don't know how else to say it. I was, I was not, ha- I was not happy. I wanted to, I think, I think I had been so focused on taking care of everybody else yeah. except for myself. Yep. And I held that together for, you know, a long time. Right. But you can only take care of other people for so long before you start wondering about yourself. <laughs> so, Pause there. Everybody listen up because you've got a lot of people listening to this in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 40s, 50s that are that went, are, have gone through this exact thing or are going through it right now. And a lot of people will continue to take care of other people as kind of a mask. Mm-hmm. Do, does that make sense? Do you oh, agree with yeah. this? Oh, yeah. Like I'm going to keep, oh, well, I'm taking care of my mother. I'm taking care of my father. I'm taking care of this person. And they know deep down that they're not taking care of themselves. And it's kind of like, what, an excuse or a mask? Or tell me about this. What did you find out? I honestly think it's fear. Okay. I think I hadn't, I had done these moments of healing from everything that had happened in my childhood. Yeah. But I don't think I had really dove into that in a way that, that I could really know my worth, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it is interesting now, obviously looking back, cause I feel like a completely different person. <laughs> well, how did you know? I never even heard of a group like this. Um, so that this Explain is it. what happened. Tell me the so title again. I, it's, uh, and it's, how called, you found it's it. called ACA adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families. So sometimes it's, you know, some people look at like just the alcoholic part of it yeah. and think, oh, I can't be involved in this group because like my parents weren't alcoholics. But remember I said my stepdad was a dry drunk? Yes. Alcoholism doesn't stop with just you stopping drinking. Okay. Or drugs yep. don't stop with you just stop doing the drug. You you have these characteristics and these survival traits, I guess, for lack of better words, um, that you use 
And those don't go away unless you learn how to survive without some of those characteristics. Yeah. So that's what ACA teaches you. Yeah. Is pushing through those things. And I think when we look at our past and our hurts and whatever traumas we go through. Yeah. And trauma is a big thing right now. Right. Everybody looking at trauma. And I'm all for it. Um, but I think what I didn't understand as a Christian was that I just thought, okay, you know, God's going to forgive me and I need to forgive everybody and that's going to take it away. Yeah. But not everybody who becomes a Christian doesn't need help with whatever their dysfunction or alcoholism or yeah. addiction is, right. you know. Yeah. So and and thank God that there are 12-step programs, you know, because it's a process and if we really understand, you know, God's plan and what he has for us, then we can probably get through a lot of those things. But it's really hard to understand that when you've had no example of it and you don't know proper coping skills, I guess. Totally. (laughs) So you have to learn that. And that's what therapy is great for. That's what programs are great for, whether it's a 12-step program or, you know, other mentoring programs, coaching programs. I mean, I, in a sense, that's what hardcore is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a group of people that are there to support each other, you know, through fitness, but it's, it ends up being so much more than fitness, right? Right. Because you get your physical health right. It transforms it transforms into your mental health getting 100%. right. Um, Cause what good is it if you're, you know, physically fit, but you're totally screwed up in your head. Right. Correct. We don't want that. No, there's, there's, there's no good in that. Like no. you could have a beautiful person with an awesome physique, but if they're still thinking like they're fat and ugly and not worthy and all right. of that, like that's not going to serve them well. No. Right. Correct. So, um, so I was going to therapy. I had talked. To, I knew about twelve-step programs because I worked in the psych hospital, yeah. and you know, part of that is addiction. And we always had drug and alcohol counselors and all of that there. So I was familiar with twelve-step programs, and I had even attended because I think when I was younger, you know, I drank so much yeah. that. Um, you know, I, I had thought at times, like, am I an alcoholic? But I just stopped drinking. Like, I didn't work any program either. Yeah. Um, and I clearly grew up with a lot of dysfunction, you know. Right. Uh, my, uh, a my, little bit. Just... In my house. So I wasn't allowed to talk about my feelings. I wasn't allowed to, you know, cry about things. I had to be an adult at a very early age. All that kind of stuff. And yeah, that's great. I survived that, but I didn't want to survive. I didn't want to keep surviving. Right. I wanted to thrive. Thrive. So, um, so I I did 
the 60-day challenge. I was going to therapy. My therapist, when I had mentioned, I think I'm going to go to like a um, codependence anonymous meeting. And he had actually recommended that I go to ACA because knowing my background, yeah. you know, my family history. And I, I didn't get into this, but my biological father actually still was a drug addict. He was. Yeah, he still was a drug addict. My, my, my biological father ended up dying because he got esophageal cancer most likely from smoking crack. Yes. So. Wow. Yeah. So I had a great relationship with him. He's, you know, a very loving, kind, generous human. Yeah. I, I really had a great relationship with him. And he was sensitive, loving. I. You're talking about your biological. My biological father. Wow. Yeah. I kept in contact with him, stayed close, all of that, um, till he died. Yeah. And um, How old was he when he passed? Oh gosh, he he was probably just before he was sixty. Okay. Um, yeah, he was pretty young, mm. so very sad. Yes. Um. Anyway, uh, my therapist had actually encouraged me to go to ACA. He thought it would be a better fit for me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I was always in my marriage and in life in general, just super easygoing. Um, didn't let things bother me. Didn't, you know, someone was upset, whatever. I just would let it go. Um, never really made any waves about anything. So I was like that in my marriage. Um, every marriage has problems. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mine and my husband's, even though we both were very well-versed in communication, yeah. therapy, that kind of thing. My husband and I um, didn't have a great relationship at that point yeah. in our lives. Um, I was very focused on doing things, very, very busy and yep. doing, yep. doing, doing. Um, he worked as a probation officer, so there were good portions of our marriage that he would work three on, three off, four on, four right. off worked in an institution where he was literally gone yep. like for for three days, three, four days. So felt like a single parent yeah. a lot of the times. Wow. Um, you know, most of the stuff felt fell on me as the mom, you know, being there, homeschooling, all that kind of stuff. He was very involved. So I don't want him to sound like, you know, he was yeah. a terrible person. He is a is amazing, wonderful, God fearing, loving yep. husband. Um, but we weren't, we weren't connecting. We were sort of at that point feeling more like roommates. Yep. Um, and so I just was like, I don't want to live like this for the rest of my life. You know, I just got to that point. Like I, yes, I know God wants us to stay married and all that, but I'm not going to live like this. God can't love this. Yeah. You know, this isn't how he wants us to be. Right. Not thriving. Yeah. And so, um, so I had actually told my husband a couple times, like, I, I think I'm leaving. Like, this isn't what I want. He was devastated. Um, and I never did leave. Right. But obviously, yep. obviously. Um, we're still together. Yep. But we did start going to therapy together. I started um, really just getting super involved in ACA. 
and continued with hardcore fitness. Yep. Yep. It eventually led me to leaving my job, not knowing what I was going to do. And when I posted about retiring from my job of 15, 20 years with Silent Voices, being a first a volunteer and then on staff, um, Tommy actually asked me if I would ever consider working for him, yeah. which I thought was super odd. Um, but probably because I was a really good advocate yeah. at the gym because yeah. it changed my life, you yes. know, and I got in the best shape ever, you know, six months after I did the challenge. I don't know if you remember those pictures, but I legit looked like a bodybuilder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had this yeah. crazy. That's all I know you as. I only know you as. Yeah, uh, I was crazy. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to say this in a good way. As someone who's my age, older, <laughs> uh-huh. but in phenomenal shape. That's Thank you. all I know you as. Oh, that's you know awesome. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I got, I mean, I was wearing my my teenage kids clothes, Yeah, you know, just, it was awesome. So, um, I got in the best shape ever. And, and so when Tommy had asked me that, he asked me that through Susie yeah, actually. But, um, but I was like, no, that's kind of weird. Like maybe. So I quit my job. It was at the end of, was it 2017, 2018? Probably somewhere, yeah. Yeah, I think it was like at the end of 2017. So January 2018, I ended up, you know, calling Tommy and saying, okay, I'm sitting at home bored. (laughs) I I need a job. But actually prior to that um, is when Hardcore started to franchise. Yes. And so I was like, oh, maybe I should find out about uh, owning a gym. So I had met with Tommy, and one of the things that I had talked to Tommy about, because he, he, when when you had to set up a meeting to talk with Tommy about whether or not you wanted to own a gym, his purpose in that meeting was to talk you out of owning a gym. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. And so um, I thought that was so funny. But one of the things I was talking to him about because I have that psych background, was the missing part of really talking about your mental health in the challenge. Because most Ah. people, when they get into a 60-day challenge, they just feel terrible about themselves, right? right? You know what those before pictures are like. Oh, they're brutal. Like people are almost in tears. I, I remember mine. I was a fat ass. I mean, I was horrified. Just, like, These are not going out on the internet, right? I was horrified. Yeah. I mean, people are like, you want me to do what? I am not taking off my clothes yeah. and standing in my underwear, basically. Right. <laughs> a bathing suit, bikini. Yeah. And you're taking a front side and back picture of me? What? Yeah. No, I hate myself right now. So when I was talking to him about the franchise and all of these things, he's like, you need to open your own business. You don't need to own a franchise. Yeah. I want you to open your own business. 
come back to me in a month when you have your LLC. And so I did that. Yeah. I became a life coach and because I have the psych background, right. it was yeah. super easy. Um, and I started MindFit. That's right. Yes. So I have my own business called MindFit. Yes. And I do that yes, on the yes, side. Yes, 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 I still see clients to help them in their transition. And I think, I mean, maybe that was the whole reason, you know, sometimes we wonder like why, you know, why this, why that God really got me to a place where I ended up having, uh, like I stopped saying why, and I started saying what, Mm. what do you want me to do with this? Not why was I born into this family? Why did this have to happen to me? Why, you know, did my mom do this? What, you know, no more whys. What do you want me to do with this? Mm. And that's what really changed things. And so I, um, I started MindFit and I started taking people through this whole process of thinking about what you're thinking because all of our actions are driven by our feelings. Right. And when you feel bad, usually you don't do the things that you want to do. Yes. It keeps you stuck. And that's why we get in this terrible cycle of doing the same thing over and over and over again. So, um, so I kind of went through my own healing process through hardcore ACA and therapy and was able to literally change everything about my life. It changed my relationships. It changed my, uh, my whole physique. Yeah. It changed my career. Um, so that's where we get to where I am today. And, and so the mind fit thing, mm-hmm. this is a big thing. So people that are, th- this, this was so relevant here, this topic, right? Because when you don't feel good about yourself, when you don't even know, like you keep asking why. So this is so huge. Um, Stephanie, uh, this, this transformation here. So then, then what happened? So then you went back and cause you're, you're now managing yeah. Yeah. So Tommy, um, Tommy hired me. I was taking over for the front desk at Convoy and I was kind of just helping there. And then, um, but I was making minimum wage Yep. <laughs> and I was like very overqualified yeah. <laughs> for this job. Um, and I wanted to do more. Yeah. And so, I was like, hey, you know, Tommy, I, I want to do this, but like, come on, like you could utilize me better yeah. than right. what I'm being utilized here. And so um, he was like, all right, well, let me, let me move you downtown and you can manage downtown. So it's kind of sort of managing downtown, running, I was closing the gym every night. Yeah. Um, he gave me a little bit of a raise. Uh, <laughs> Not that much, but a little. Uh, <laughs> Tommy, you listening? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so I did that for a little while. Then they ended up hiring a general manager right. down there. So I didn't, I wasn't needed quite so much. Still doing my whole, you know, working out, involved in ACA, 
not going to therapy anymore. Yeah. Kind of got, got a little better headspace. Good. Um, and then at Convoy wanted me back. So then I went back to Convoy, was doing that same thing. And I had told Tommy, and I like to joke about this now, but initially I had told Tommy, like, I, I would like to do sales because I felt like I was good at that. And he was like, no, 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 you no, we need someone who's experienced sales. And I'm like, mm, I used to work at a nonprofit yeah. and uh, the way a nonprofit runs is only by donation. Yeah. So kind of feel like I'm good at that, but okay, whatever. Like I know I don't have gym sales experience. Yeah. So, uh, I did end up getting into sales because the guy who was doing sales for hardcore yeah. at the time wanted to go on vacation. Uh, he went on vacation for a week and they asked me to cover doing Ty's job. So during that time I signed up a bunch of people and they were like, what the heck are you doing? Yeah. And I was like, I'm telling people about hardcore. I'm basically just sharing my own story. That's it. <laughs> and, and they were it. like, what? Gee, what a big... Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So when Ty got back, uh, the guy who was doing sales out at El Cajon went MIA. And they asked if I could go out there and help. Yep. And so I was like, sure. So meanwhile, they're advertising for a sales position yep. at Hardcore. <clears throat> and I'm just signing up people like crazy just signing them up signing them up and of course it's december so there's the resolution challenge yes. that starts in january i'm just signing up gangbusters yeah. of people and so finally they end up calling me and asking you know we we've been advertising for this job but you're killing it in sales yeah so do you want it and i was like I told Tommy from the beginning that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> like, what the heck? Yes, I want this job. Exactly. And so that's how I ended up out in El Cajon. That was before we moved. We were still up on Fletcher Parkway. Yeah. It wasn't um, technically a franchise yet there. And um, I doubled the membership there. Wow. So it was pretty cool. Wow. We moved into the new location. It'll be three years on Father's Day um, that yeah. we've been at the new location. And then, I mean, there's been a lot of things that happened, but uh, I definitely wasn't the GM then. I was just doing sales, but um, very ambitious, taking care of a lot of things yep. there. Uh, COVID happened, oh boy. obviously. And um, I think it was before COVID, though, they were doing a restructuring of all the hardcores. Yeah where they decided that all the salespeople were going to, well, all the GMs were going to be the salespeople. Mm. Basically, they fired every salesperson in the company except for me and had me be the GM. Wow. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, so I became the GM I think it was right around like January of 2020 and then uh, COVID happened. Oh, man. And another thing I just kind of glossed over, didn't really touch, was um, I also turned 50 in 
2019. Yep. I was going to do a show. So still doing my whole fitness yep. journey and staying consistent with working out. I was I always said I was never going to do a show. I had told Anthony yep. that I wanted to train like I was going to do a show, but I didn't want to step on stage. Got it. So um, everyone was like, oh, that's stupid. You're going to do all this training, and then you're going to regret that you didn't get on stage. Like, why don't you just do a show? So I was kind of like, okay, whatever. I'm going to tr- I'm going to do a show. So I had planned to do a show. During that time, I was caring for a friend who okay. ended up getting cancer. So And my- so and I wanted to cuz we're going to land this plane here in a few minutes, but I okay. wanted to get on this story. And you're on the story now. Yes. Right? Yes. Because I wanted this to be told because it's an incredible story. Another incredible story within your life. Now, is the other story with the the husband before this, right? Or no? With her husband? Yeah. It was before this. Okay. So so, long before. All right. And we're going to land this plane, but you have to tell this story because it's freaking crazy. Yeah. And if it's, if if all your stories weren't crazy enough. <laughs> right? Yeah, so um so my friend that I was caring for that had cancer. Yep, yep. Her husband was one of my best friends in the military. Got it. We went to Desert Storm together. Um great guy, totally platonic relationship, but he was one of my best friends. Yeah. And um, he got murdered at Extraordinary Desserts. So I can't believe this. Yeah. Um, so you tell that what was he went to dinner? He went to yeah. Dinner. They had gone out to dinner, uh, or they they had gone to a show, then went out afterwards at Extraordinary Desserts right before New Year's. Um, and random act of violence. There was a homeless guy because you know Extraordinary Desserts yeah. is down there. Um, downtown. And so this homeless guy had come in. He was kind of just like staring at their table. My friend Michael yeah. was a very boisterous New Yorker. Yes. Um, great guy. But, you know, when this homeless guy was just kind of standing there staring at their table, he was like, yeah. hey, hey, bud, can I help you? You know, like, yeah, what's what's up? <laughs> And guy didn't leave. They eventually had to have one of the staff say, like, hey, I'm sorry, you're going to have to go. Yeah. Um, so escorted out. You can see on this video, surveillance, whatever. He comes back, like, I think it's like nine minutes later or 11 minutes later, just straight up shoots from behind, shoots Michael in the head. From behind. from behind. So Michael never saw him coming. Michael never saw him coming. Did his wife the see him wife, coming? The wives were sitting on the opposite side. Yeah. So they ducked. Um, because Michael was hit first, uh, or I guess Twee was sitting next to him. Yeah. Um, the other couple was sitting across. They ducked. He only went for the men. The other couple that they were yeah. with, the guy got hit in the shoulder. So he was yeah. leaning, um, got <sighs> hit in the shoulder. And then, and of course, everybody in the restaurant just ducked and covered. He walked out, got away. No one, wow. no one went after him. 
he was on the loose for a couple months. Um, I became the family spokesperson at that time. Yeah. So um, friends with Tony Shin and lots of the news people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just he was he was gone. The story ended up airing on America's, America's Most Wanted. Yep. He was found up in L.A. He actually had a car and it had some very significant markings. Yeah. The camper on his truck. And so he was found in L.A. and he went to jail. So Wow. So walked through that whole thing with them, obviously became, you know, super close with Twee. I was yeah. close with her anyway, would babysit their kids so they could go out on dates and all that kind of stuff. Um, so fast forward 13 years later, she ends up feeling like she's got sciatica, some pain in her back and leg. Turns it turns out it is cancer. Yep. Um, I kind of was her advocate, patient advocate, helping her to, you know, navigate through getting health care and all that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, she ended up passing away from cancer. Um, it's really more the side effects of getting chemo and radiation, but that, that actually did it. Mm -hmm. She ended up having a perforated bowel and they couldn't operate and they couldn't operate on her cancer anyway. It yeah. was the kind that like was more like fingers that wrapped around her spine. Yeah. Um, so I was already taking care of her kids you know, during that whole time I was taking care how, of her. How many? Two? Three? Two kids. Two, yeah. They were in high school still. So I was taking them to school, picking them up from school, taking her to doctor's appointments, all that kind of stuff. She did have a trust. Um, and there were other people named on the trust. Yeah. I was actually the fourth person on the trust yeah. to get the kids. The other um, top people were relatives, but significantly older, like yeah. in their seventies. Yeah. Um, and not realistic really for them to take the kids. Right. Uh, I lived in the same neighborhood so they could continue to go to the same school. And the other one was one of, um, Twee's best friends who lived further up in like North County and was having some issues of her own. Yeah. Not really able to take the kids. So, I took the kids in and wow. so added two more kids to yeah. my three. So I have five kids. Um, they stayed with us for a good amount of time. Yep. Uh, Joelle's a senior in high school. Dylan is in the military in the yeah. army. So took after his dad and his new mom. Um, yeah. And um, yeah. So. So how, how was, how was dealing with that? How were they luckily, Luckily, in hindsight, because of what you went through and your psych background. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it was it was difficult. I mean, obviously, they've lost both their mom and their dad. Um, but fortunately, you know, they've known me their whole lives. Yeah. So that helped. And um, we just loved on them. I mean, wow. It's all you can do. What a story. Yeah. Okay. So um, th we're going to wrap this up now. So Stephanie, get, leave us with some pearls about 
like hit me one more time with what you said about you said about church and how we're just a bunch of people that have messed up <laughs> right and yeah, and if you're in your life right now and you don't know where you're at you don't have your identity where you were at what yeah. do you, what do you what do, what do people do where do you start I think it starts by asking yourself what do you want what do you want what do you want what makes you happy yeah what yeah what do you want what what makes you happy what's gonna make you get up in the morning and feel like you have purpose and that is fulfilling you what what do you want so you could say material things i you know i want to drive a ferrari i want a nice house i yep. Or I want, you know, great relationship. It starts with looking at what do you want? Not what does everybody else want, yeah. but what do you want? And then really like giving it up to God. Yeah. Like this is what I want. Hopefully it's in alignment with, right. with, with what God wants yeah. too. Um, and then really just taking those steps. How do I get there? And I think what trips people up is they don't understand who they are. They think about what they are or that they don't know what their core beliefs are. Mm. Or sometimes their core beliefs inadvertently, because I don't think anybody would have ever said I was insecure, I was... Uh, you know, didn't feel good about myself, yeah. that I wasn't no confident. Yeah, that I didn't, that I didn't think of myself as anything. I felt like a fraud. Yeah. Honestly, when I was doing, I was, I always ended up at the top of everything. Yeah. You know, I wasn't going to just be the vice president. I was going to be the president, you know? Yeah. I was, if I was going to run something, I was going to run it. Like I was going to do it. So, I always rose to the top, but I never felt like I was supposed to be there. Hmm. I think that was the thing. Wow. It wasn't really until I started challenging those beliefs in myself. Why do I not feel worthy? Why am I not truly confident? Why, why am I not happy? And I think it was because I was looking for validation outside of myself. Yes. We can't get validation outside of ourselves. We're not going to get it by doing all the right things in church. We're not going to get it by being president of the company. We're not going to do it by appearing to have, you know, the perfect house and kids and marriage. Yep. We're not going to get it that way. We have to find that that security and that validation within ourselves. And I got that fortunately by really understanding the truth of how God sees me, not just performing to work my way into heaven, but knowing I can't do anything. I, I'm never going to get it right 100% of the time. Right. I make mistakes. Um, I'm not going to be perfect and I don't want to be perfect. In fact, I want to make mistakes every day because that leads me to being better. So if I can learn from my mistakes, then I'm going to do better. So 
it is really taking in that. But I don't think people who are traumatized, people who have lots of dysfunction in their lives like to think about their thoughts mm-hmm. because their thoughts aren't friendly to them. Right. So you have to understand recreating those things. And we can do that through a, def- a, a, a lot of different ways. We can do that through fitness. We can do that through a program like the 12 steps. We can do that through therapy. We could do it just by looking at affirmations every day. Right. You know, there's a, a gazillion different ways. What worked for me was understanding who I am in God and and challenging those core beliefs I had about myself and then saying, this is what I want. This is typically what I thought. I'm changing my thoughts. So when I say I'm scared or I'm not good enough or I shouldn't be here, I could have said that today. Right. Yeah. I could have said, why does JD want to talk to me? Yeah. Who am I? Yeah. I don't have anything to offer. I don't say that now. I say, I might have some things to say. Not in a conceited way. Right. But I've lived through some things. Yep. I know some stuff. I know the things I don't want to do. And I could share that till I'm blue in the face. You have to understand it for yourself. I could tell you all day long, you're a great person. You have so many great qualities. But if you don't believe that, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. So... It's changing those core beliefs and how you change those core beliefs. There is some systems that we can help get you there. That's what I do in MindFit. I think overall that's what happens yeah. at Hardcore, but um, that's what happened. And this is exactly why the Holy Spirit highlighted you to me. Sweet. And that's how I'm bringing on all my guests is I'm, I'm going on the fly. Mm-hmm. And he kept highlighting you to me over and over and over. Remember I reached out a little while ago Then I reached out again. Mm -hmm. Think about this. When you got introduced to think about this now, this is crazy. I'm going to get, I already got goosebumps everywhere. We're going to finish with this folks because I want everybody to understand how powerful spirituality is, how powerful, if you're not quite there yet, let's just call it spirituality. You and I know it's Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. Who introduced you to the church? at age 13 who was it 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 was was carlos coda's mom mary okay and how did you and i meet at hardcore okay through the codas (laughs) right are you feeling me here yeah see where this is going and now look at this yeah your story your testimony today this was this is this is going to be a big one people are going to freaking love this is so powerful and look at how we got here look at yeah. look at by going to the house of god yep. from the codas hardcore here now yeah holy spirit highlighted you to me yeah said i know she has a story i just knew some tiny little tidbits of your story i didn't know all of that i <laughs> believe me there's I, not a lot of people that know all of i that. had no <laughs> idea all i knew was the, the the last story that you told in the last five minutes is all i knew so i said f- figured if she's got that She's got, there's, she's got something. So Stephanie, I can't thank you enough for coming in. It's been an honor, a pleasure. Your story, your testimony is so powerful. Ladies and gentlemen, real deal talk. That's a wrap, baby. Thank you. All right.